Hey everybody, welcome to the Tiger Minor League Report recap for week nine, I believe it is. Week nine, the minor league system, our hill selling system is Chris Brown and David. And you find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, and Sister. I want to uh, thank the gentleman who wrote a review for Woodward Tigers and said some nice things about the minor league podcast. And I'm forgive me for not remembering his username at the moment, but uh, thank you. Uh, we, we just got a review yesterday, so... I really appreciate it. So if you want to subscribe to our Woodward Tigers podcast, which talks about the team, which I think we might be doing one tomorrow as the Tigers are off and recapping the weekend of pain in the Bronx, that will be up probably some point tomorrow. So as the Tigers take – the Tigers have this two-game series with Pittsburgh again. I, I, again, I, I don't understand why we're forcing this narrative to have a rival with the Pirates, but whatever. It is what it is, and Pirates just – been playing good baseball too. They won a series in LA and they were able to manhandle the Dodgers, the Dodgers, which, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's strange too, because the Mets until, I mean, the Mets offense kind of woke up against the Dodgers today, but we'll get all into that. So uh, coming up, uh, we'll recap what I saw down in Lakeland. Uh, thanks again to everybody down there, uh, Terry, Sherry and Ken and welcome aboard. Hens highlights, yeah, we'll be getting here. With, speaking of the hens, we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, I want to thank everybody down there for the hospitality. I'm just, I'm sad I didn't get to see my uh, good friend James Shipman. It's a schedule is conflicted, but shout out to James to reach out and hopefully we'll grab a beer or soon. And went to a place called Glory Days, which uh, sounds exactly like the Bruce Springsteen song, which it was if you're familiar with that. And they played that quite a bit in the restaurant. So. But yeah, it was hot, and we'll get to all that shortly. So let's start with the Mud Hens, who did not have a uh, a good week as far as in terms of the, the schedule. They were losing, of course, Cody Clemens, who got his first run scored today on after he pinched it for Miguel Cabrera. And Toledo went one and five. So, uh, Chris, I'll start with you on the offense, and I'll get to David here in a second. Uh, in terms of Mudhead Bath, now that Cody Clemens is gone, who stepped up this week? Well, it was kind of the bets this I know week. Jamie uh, Walker had a pretty deep. Uh, he... Yeah, no, yeah, or, Trey, uh, Trace yeah, Thompson. Chris, I was going to say, um, if. Or, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Trace Thompson and Jamie Westbrook. They both, um, they both have been having a heck of a week, and they've been shedding some light on a rather um minute mudhen squad since Cody Clemens graduated. Uh, yeah, Trace Thompson's t- definitely taking the next step as of now. He's having a pretty hot um start to June. Yeah, he went uh, 11 for 26 this week with three doubles and three homers. He had a big three-run homer today that put them up 3-1. Looked like it was going to guide them to victory until they uh, had another unfortunate blown save. Brendan Davis had a pretty good week, too. The uh, kind of interesting uh, waiver claim. Really uh, just just kind of a fun player to watch. He's got a really unusual closed stance. And he's tall and wiry and kind of looks like uh, – reminds me of Alfonso Soriano at the plate. I don't think he has that kind of power or speed. But, uh, yeah, he's interesting. And then, you know, I think the big story in, in Toledo this week is just kind of the rehab, you know, rehab going on. So, Austin Meadows was down there, and he didn't do a whole lot. Two for 13 with a home run, two walks in four games. He was kind of coming out after three or four plate appearances in most games. And then Riley Green, six for 25. He had a home run, a double. Got 7,000 people saying, call him up. Um, four walks of steel, but he was hitting. And, and since he's gone to this rehab assignment, and it includes down in Lakeland last week, he's just hitting a ton of ground balls right now. 
which I don't think is his MO, generally speaking. Uh, he may be more ground balls and fly balls and, and, and you know, overall, but I think he's uh, still still trying to get back into, uh, you know, his, his ideal swing. So we'll probably see him in the minors for a few more games, I assume. And then maybe tomorrow we find out he gets called up to Detroit. Yeah, there's some interesting roster decisions that have to come down from that uh, as far as that goes. Because I know Parker Meadows, or excuse me, Parker Meadows, Austin Meadows had a home run, the first home run of the year for down in Toledo. So that was something to call him up about. So uh, that will be, by the way, that we're, we're, we're thinking of some ideas for call call him up. So if you have a nice shirt, t-shirt idea, I tried to do it last year. I went, Pfft. so if you have a t-shirt idea to help us get that up, let me know. And we'll definitely post it in the shop. But yeah, that was just, it was one of those things where all weekend we saw that. Uh, David, in terms of pitching, what stood out for the Mudhens this week? Um, well, at least for today, I'd like to say that um, Drew Hutchinson, who, after taking a little bit of a break, after getting designated by the Tigers, he's he had, he had a pretty decent run. Um, one kind of standing out to me is, uh, is surprisingly enough, the two-pitch pitcher fastball changeup is um, Miguel Del Pozo. Um, I know that he's not exactly Tigers fans' favorite, but if you've been looking at his slashes as of the week, it like it, we touched on it before, as far as left-handed depth goes in the Tiger system, it's not it's not exactly deep. So it's nice to see some lefties getting in some work, and they're doing okay. So yeah, that's my that's my take on it so far. And especially like I know we we might touch on it a bit when we go to Double A, but um, it what's his name Sam Howard, I think. Yep, he's a lefty yeah. too. Yeah, is I I is he in Double A or Triple A? I'm not sure. I know he's, he's in Toledo. Okay, yeah, he's he's putting it together as well recently. So, yeah, it's nice to see the the very little left-handed depth we have in the system, like putting it together. In my opinion, so far. The reason why I wanted to put the uh, the Brandon Davis swing up there because I wanted to kind of see what Chris was talking about, and I noticed right away. And you guys probably notice this too. His hands, both the way he kind of tucks in his hands as he's swinging in. I like his swing quite a bit there. That was the first time I kind of watched him extensively. Yeah, and, and, Mike, and Michael's absolutely right. They are, there's been di- injuries across the board. And that, or excuse me, but that's where the depth is coming in because everybody, they have to pluck from Toledo. And right now, Toledo's rotation has been a hodgepodge of, of folks. And, Chase, I mean, right now, this week, it was the, the big week in terms of even like in terms of starter wise. The last Chase Anderson is a one staple that has been part of the our staple, if you will, the Toledo rotation. And he struggled his last start, too. He got he got bombed, I think, didn't he? Uh, I believe he did, yes. And and another guy who got bombed again was Navalto Rodriguez, five innings, eight hits, two runs, two walks, one strikeout. Again, I, I always think he got bombed only because it's just been able to – he has not – I think he's at one point had him on the 40-man roster. Maybe they're trying to recapture magic in a bottle. I'm not really sure. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you have any logical explanation behind that. but uh... No, we could never quite figure out. Every time we saw Nivaldo Rodriguez, his stuff did not jump off the page at all, but batters weren't squaring him up. So I don't know if there must be something funky going on uh, with the pitch data. But uh... – yeah, and he's kind of he's not a big strikeout guy, and and so I don't know that he's like emergency, emergency, emergency depth at this point, at least for the big league club. They did 
And we did get to uh, Tyler Alexander pitch a couple times, get one start and one relief appearance. I think they said that they're going to bring him back as, as a reliever. Yeah, yeah, he pitched today, and um, uh, yeah, Garrett Hill, he he struggled a little bit last week, but um, I think he'll get it together. He's talented, but he was a, he was another noticeable hen starting spot that we had uh, as of last week. You know, it's kind of hard to shed light on um, a pitching staff after what did they have before yesterday, like four losses in a row. Yeah. I was just saying that the the thing about Hill so far, and, you know, I was there for his start last Sunday. He is really, it seems like he's trying too hard to throw strikes and he's not throwing as as many strikes. That makes any sense. Like he's really trying to be fine and hit the corners all the time. And maybe he has to because he doesn't have, you know, that much stuff. But uh, I feel like he's going to turn it around at some point. I I don't know if he's going to, you know, be dominant or anything like that, but I think he'll, he'll get it figured out eventually in AAA. Oh, yeah, and I mean, that's the uh, – sorry to cut you off, Raj, but, um, yeah, that's the, that's the one thing that um, even – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my uh, five-cent color analysis for pitching is that um, especially like he had, Garrett Hill, he had three walks his last start. It's like after that third walk, you start to get in your head. It's like like – I obviously can't hit those spots of the zone. So the last thing I'm going to do, the one thing I'm going to start doing is throwing it down the middle just to try and have some form of consistency. Mm-hmm. So that's like the point where you just get in your own head and you're like, Oh my God, if I don't throw strikes, it's like this, in- these innings are just going to keep getting away from me. And you know, your pitch count is going to keep going up. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, Chris, he certainly has the talent. Like this is only what, like his second or third start for the Mudheads. I think. Yeah. Maybe second, maybe third, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he, he had, I think, similar trouble. He still got a red head. But... Yeah, there's there's a kind of a thing going on with Toledo right now, as far as we mentioned earlier with the injuries too. But there's one, I will say, there's if there's one takeaway, one positive takeaway, um, in terms of what we've been able to see from the pitching side of things a little bit, has been. You, you mentioned him earlier with um, Miguel DePozo. The there was only Will Vest made an appearance before he was quickly summoned up to Detroit. But uh, other than that, yeah, Drew Hutchinson was a good had a good week this week, and you know Drew Carlton, who spent a majority of time in Toledo. I mean, he had you know Jose Ramirez happened to him, but other than that, he pitched not too bad in his call up from to Detroit. You know as much as Drew Carlton can do, but uh, there is a this the the reason why I brought up Toledo is because the rotation is going to take a further hit because earlier in the week Joey Wentz was cruising for Detroit in the second game of the doubleheader, and now he'll look like he will hit the IL, I believe it was, with a left shoulder. Was it quad strain? I think it was a shoulder range. I want to say it was a shoulder, yeah, which is not ideal for a pitcher. Yeah. A, yeah, I mean, a strain of any kind on the joints is just brutal. It's like that's a he's got a, he's got a road ahead of him, but um, yeah, that's you never that's something you never like to see. Yeah, and especially because he was crude. I mean, he looked really good. I mean, that was one of the best oh, yeah. starts. He was he was locating his fastball well. A lot of the majority of his start was fastball, but his curveball, it was down away location on it. He was he was able to dial in. And yeah, when when I saw him coming out in the press box, we're like, "What the? 
Another one? Come on. Really? Just anyway. He so was the fastball really good. He was yeah. He, he, he put yeah. It's like I know people were talking about him lighting up the radar guns in spring training, but um, yeah. It's like he was spin, he, he was able to put a let put a lot of good ride in the fastball during his start, and yeah, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, and again, that's also going to affect the rotation for Toledo, and it's going to be a kind of next next person up kind of situation. But uh, we move on to Erie because Erie had a good week. They were they finished five and one on the week, and they do the splits in terms of how they do the regular season. Chris, you want to explain how that all works to the first league or first half and second half championships? Yeah, so this is part of what what uh, some minor league. Uh, leagues have done for years now and, and Eastern League moved to it I think in twenty nineteen. But basically they split the season in half because a lot of players come into the system after the draft and players move up and move down and all that stuff. So they split it in half. I think it's the first seventy six days and then the next seventy five days. So first half, second half. And basically whoever wins the division in the first half automatically gets a playoff spot. And whoever wins the division in the second half automatically gets his playoff spot. And then uh if you win overall, have the best record overall, but you didn't win either half, you're screwed, which and that actually happened to Erie in 2019, 2018, I think. And they, they haven't been to the playoffs since 2013. So uh, right now, yeah, they're a game ahead after a five and one week. And I, I don't know, I think they're probably three weeks left or two and a half weeks left when they, they stop counting. So it's uh, it's kind of a mini pennant race right now and i think uh, I, I think it probably means a fair amount to the players there it certainly means a lot to the seawolves organization yeah and uh so we actually had a question real quick from robert lester rob you can go ahead and ask the question whenever you're ready of course yeah we're always taking questions i should mention if you're on watching us on youtube please send in your questions there or if you uh, get this link and want to tweet us questions that's fine too so uh, while we wait for Robert's question, yes. Yeah, so the Seawolves right now are they are heading to Richmond, which I was talking to Greg earlier. They don't do traditionally well against the Flying Squirrels on there, and the Flying Squirrels are two and two games back for the so- Eastern League Southwest um, division. Again, I, I don't, I, I, I get it now in a way of how, like, if you look at the Eastern League and how it's shaped, I guess you know, like, because. Somerset, Hartford, Portland, New Hampshire, Reading, and Binghamton are all in the northern part. So that makes yeah, northeast. It makes sense, but it's still weird when you think of Eastern League and you see Southwest. I don't. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I, I would think that they have some sort of like they name it after like some famous person that played in the Eastern League or something like the uh, the leaders know, and legends. Leaders. <laughs> Use the Big Ten reference or the. How about the how about the Mike Riviera Memorial Division or something like that or some oh, Eastern League yeah. hero? So um, oh, here's a uh, oh, here's a question from Robert. Hmm. So um, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, Alex Berman really struggled in his debut season, but Hinch pretty publicly had a second the entire time because he believed Bregman would hit his way out of it. And I think that and that relates to what we saw today. Special circles and batted second today. And went oh, I think he went over five. five with a strikeout, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was ugly. It was hard yeah. to keep up with the game because it was on freaking Peacock, and I don't have that, so I had to keep it, keep track of it on game day. But yeah, it was a, it, it was tough to watch the um, it was tough to watch the strike zone charts. 
Oh, hey, hey, Greg, long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> Here on a, I'm doing my uh, FM radio yeah. voice there. So, um, well, I definitely remember. I, I do remember Bregman getting off to a, a slow start, like in his first month. He has first hit um, in Detroit, didn't he? I think. That Maybe sounds. Somebody else. But I, I think in his case, it was just like one of those. He started off like with like one for 30 or something like that. And then after that, he was fine. I, I don't think it was like a sustained two-month uh, struggle for him. No, no, Robert, you're not reading it too much. That was a good question. I, I like that question a lot. That was actually a very good yeah. question. So, And I, I uh, think I think it, it is a good question to ask uh, to ask uh, Hinch next time uh, some, one of us gets down there to talk to him. Um, uh, I'll be down there Friday, so. I'm gonna to try to get down there this weekend. Please, um, it'd be um, something else cool to have somebody on the booth. Well, yeah, I, Friday's my, son, Friday's my son. my son's field day, so I probably can't do it Friday. But maybe Saturday. Anyway, um, no, I, I, I think. Um, yeah, go ahead, David. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I was gonna say, can I throw my two cents in on this question real quick? Sure. I mean, um, one thing you gotta look at. This is even the case for um, this is the case for Trace Thompson as well in Toledo. Like once we put him in the sixth slot, he started hitting a little better, but um. I don't know if you guys remember in a, oh Jesus, this has to be circa 2014 when um we brought in Kinsler and we put him in the leadoff spot. We moved Austin Jackson down to fifth, and he was like he almost hit a wall because like he couldn't. I, I I don't think he was able to hit behind. Um, he wasn't able to hit behind Miggy and Vimar all that well, and um, but yeah, it's like even like I think it was right before we traded and we moved him back to the leadoff spot and he just kind of took off. But I don't know. I guess my what I'm equating that to is like you know sometimes maybe you just need to switch up in the lineup. It's like it, it can mean a lot. <laughs> no, and it definitely can because it can kind of it sets them in the right mindset. And Torkelson does take a lot of pitches, so I can understand having him there versus at this point you can even put him in leadoff. I mean, just because he gets and walks so much, and uh, <laughs> you're gonna definitely need a, a bottle of t- uh, Tito's after driving down to Richmond. Um, but yeah, according to the drive is actually, wow, it's not that bad. Nine hours and 25 minutes, 623 miles from Detroit <laughs> to Richmond, Virginia. So I've, I've but, gone through there many times on my way down to, to Norfolk and Virginia beach. You get to Richmond, you're like, all right, I'm almost there. And then it's like three more hours. Like, ah. <laughs> no, I've, I've always wanted to go down to Virginia, but the getting into the Seawolves, they had a really good week. Kerry Carpenter, congratulations to him. Eastern league player of the month as he's been, on a tear, call him up, 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 call him up. Call him up. Yeah. Well, actually, go ahead, go ahead, because oh. I'm, I'm I needed a mental break from hearing that words or seeing that words so much this weekend. Go actually, ahead. one thing that has really impressed me about Erie so far over this past week is their formation of their two-headed monster and resource and um, Wilmer Flores. It's like both both of these guys have just been pitching pitching their heads off over the last week, and it's been really impressive to watch. Like, both Olsen and Flores, their last starts, both were they, – they both gave up – wait, did, did Flores go scoreless his last start? I think he did. Uh, yeah, well, know, yeah. Go ahead. Did who? Did who? Flores. He started today. He gave up two runs today. Oh, yeah. okay. I, yeah. Olsen as well. He only gave up two runs his last start. And, yeah, it's like the rotation has just been – Outstanding, and Yuri's been having a good week because of it. Yeah, which I wanted to get to first. I wanted to get in the hitting and then get in the pitching a little bit. And uh, yeah, and that was it's something that um, 
and Michael Meyer with a question in here. Carpenter will be the is he rule five eligible? That's where I think. Yeah, and any college player from the 2019 draft will be rule five uh, eligible this year. So that means Kreidler, Lipsius, um, Carpenter. At, is it Brendan White or was he 2018? I think White was maybe in 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, Hill, I think, I think 2019. Yeah, Hill was 19. And by the way, and this is this is a rotation for Erie this week. Greg put us in there. Uh, Olsen Wednesday, Kirby Thursday, Solback on Thursday, Austin Bruckner Friday, Saturday Flores, and Sunday is Olsen. And yeah, let's we'll, let's take right in the office t- before we get into the pitching. In terms of this week, Kerry Carpenter had three home runs, drove in six, and but uh, the the big the, the biggest news to me was Gage Workman, who's been struggling struggled mightily in the month of May a little bit, but this week had a really good week. Putting up a slash line, 381, 435, and 714, and an over an OPS over a thousand. And one of the things that stood another part of it too was he was hitting the ball uh very hard. And and again, the stolen bases have come down, but I think I, we kind of expected that based off what we talked about before, Chris, about different levels and lower levels, you can kind of get over them more and, and we get the higher levels a little harder. But talk talk about what you've seen this week. I'll start with you, Chris, before we get to David. What did you see this week in Gage Workman? Yeah, you know, it's kind of what what you get with Workman is uh, he also had, I think, another four strikeout, like 0 for 4, four strikeout game. I want to say he struck out eight times. But but when he makes contact, he does a lot of damage. And, yeah, it was a couple doubles, I think, and a triple and a home run. And the triple was like a fly ball that was just misplayed, but you got to call it a triple. But the home run was legit and the doubles, yeah, like he hits the ball hard as hell. It's just uh, he doesn't always hit it as much as we would like. Um, but yeah, like you know, what's, what's funny is the offense was kind of led this week. You know, Kerry Carpenter gets all the kind of attention because of what he's doing is kind of wild. But Quincy Deporti, I think, had the best week of anybody down there. And, and you do feel like if uh, and, you know he's a veteran that they signed out of Indy Ball or whatever. But you feel like uh, if if Carpenter weren't uh, doing what he was doing, people might be like, "Hey, what's up? What's up with Deporti? Can we call him up?" Because he's having a really good year. Um, so I don't know, he's, he's been studying. and it's nice to see that because it was kind of a down week for, uh, Parker Meadows and Dylan Dingler. Although again, it, it, like, it helps to watch the game. So you see like Dingler went four for 22. There was one, uh, diving play by an outfielder. Looked like he hurt his wrist on it too, but it basically stole a hit from Dingler. It might've been a double. Like, you know, you, you see these things that it was good contact. He's really driving the ball to the opposite field, which is what we like to see. So, you know, a, a week is not enough to really tell about a guy with just stats, but uh, it was a solid offensive performance overall this week, I think. What about you, David? What did you see in your this week on, on the offensive side of the ball? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I can't remember the stat I sent you about Kerry Carpenter and his the the week he's been having. I, I texted that to you recently, didn't I? Where he's been yes. hitting, like, I think, pretty sure he hit, like, close, if not 500 over the last week. And, it, like Chris said, he, Kerry, Kerry Carpenter is hitting the ball as well pretty hard. Um, one thing I want to touch on with uh, Gage Workman is, uh, and I think this plays in pretty good to, I'm happy that he's having a hot streak because like, especially for switch hitters, because Workman's a switch hitter, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Yeah. I've, it's always, it's always nice to see switch hitters like heating up at the plate, especially because, you know, they have to do twice as much work as the normal lineup. Cause like, especially if you're facing, if you're facing like a, 
a lot of right-handed starters during a week, then you're going to be hitting left-handed for seven straight games and having three to four at-bats a game left-handed. And so it's really hard to keep track of your right-handed mechanics, especially. So like you got to be doing much more work from the other side of the plate as you are in games from the left side. So I like to see, I like to see workmen heating up, but yeah, um, Kerry Carpenter is just fantastic. It's like hitting the ball at all fields. He has a really controlled swing. And it's like, I think he has like a 417 average now on balls in play. So like, yeah, it's like you can't you can't ignore that, especially in double A where you guys have mentioned where the pitching is a little bit more competitive as it would be in the lower in the in the single A levels. So Chris, talk about bad bad balls in play and how does that work exactly on the minor league level and, and just and just in general for anybody out there who's not familiar with that stat. Yeah, so so batting average and balls in play, there's a long like you can go a long story back to, about all this. Um going back to like the early 2000s when they, they realized that it didn't at the major league level, at least it didn't really matter who was pitching, including position players. If, uh, if a hitter put the ball in play, it was, it was going to end up being a hit at like a 290 average to 310 average. That was just like, no matter what. And it kind of blew everybody's mind, like what's going on. And then, so that, that led to all the sort of defense independent stats like FIP and expected ERA and stuff like that. And so, generally speaking, when you look at a, a BABIP, a batting average on balls in play, for for pitchers, you can kind of gauge if they've been lucky or if they've been uh, unlucky by their BABIP. Uh, and, and with hitters, it's the opposite way. You know, if, if it's, you know, 400, it means that they've been fortunate. They've been lucky on balls in play. And if it's 200, it seems like they've, you know, been hitting a bunch of atom balls. It's not entirely like that. There are some outliers because based on, on what kind of contact you make, so like, I want to say Justin Verlander a couple of years ago had like a 220 batting average on balls in play and was like, oh, that's lucky. Well, it turns out that he just got a ton of weak pop-ups because that's the way he pitched. He pitched at the top of the zone. And if they put it in play, it was a pop-up or a home run, basically, which doesn't count toward BAPIP because apparently a home run is not a ball in play by the funny rules. So in any event, uh, so generally speaking, like a 400 BAPIP in the minors, uh, you'd be like, yeah, that guy's getting lucky. But things are a little bit squirrely in the minors. And we, we talked about this last year, I think, with Jacob Robson, who ran who was running like a 490 BABIP. Because, uh, you know, guys in the minors, the defense isn't as good. That's why they're in the minors. So if you put the ball in play, it's more likely going to be either an error or a hit just because guys aren't, you know, have the range, they don't have the arm, whatever. Uh, and also, guys who are really skilled and hitting the ball very hard in the minors are going to run high BABIPs no matter what just because they're that good. So, like, I think Riley Greens was, like, 380 last year. I was like, yeah, that's just fine. He's yeah. going to be good. So, it, that's a, just a long long way of saying that, like, yeah, what Kerry Carpenter's, his bad bit, it, it could I, I haven't, like, uh, checked to see what it is. But part of it could be luck. He might be finding holes. But part of it is he could just be crushing the ball, hitting it really hard, and getting it through guys. So, yeah, I, I haven't dug into that. But that's that's your uh, two-minute bad bit. Thank you, Chris, because that, yeah. that makes it, it helps out for people out there who don't are not familiar with that. And, Greg, uh, the voice of the Erie Sea Wolves, who is in our YouTube chat, uh, made a great comment Hi. about the great to see workmen make adjustments. Early hitting yesterday came out today and was locked in. And one player he mentioned to me earlier, we're, we're discussing how the, in, in terms of underrated players or a player should be talked about more. And we and Chris Merber and we talked. He was he came up last week on the podcast was Chance mm -hmm. Kirby, who has been if you've watched him pitch. He can either start or relief, and we had a question about whether or not he was legitimate or not, and it was one of those questions where 
you never know because it's, but his he's had a really good curveball go with his fastball. And this week, as far as he started four uh, six innings, four hits, two runs, and he struck out five and just has one walk. And this week he had a, a FIP of 083, but on the year he's been really good. And and, and again, however the the, the Seawolves want to use him, it seems like he's a very versatile and goes out there and gets the job done. And this is a guy who may, is he going to be on a lot of prospect radars? Hell no. But is that okay? That's fine. Because this guy's a 25th round draft pick out of uh, Baptist Park, or excuse me, High Park Baptist High School. 25th round. And he's contributing to the Seawolves' early success. And uh, David, did you see any, in terms of Chance Kirby, have you had a chance to look at his numbers and what he's able to do for the Seawolves? One thing I really liked about him, especially in either or in a starting role, is um, his walk numbers aren't very high from what I've noticed. It's like he only had one walk his last start. And at least in my baseball history, uh, you command command over the zone. Like I've always thought command and control are two different things. And I think especially being in a starting role, like when you get stretched out in longer outings, it's really hard to keep that command over the zone. Cause like you could have, you can have control for days, but like, having command over all your pitches in relief outings compared to starting outings can be a lot tougher in my opinion. And I like to see that he's putting both of those things together in whatever way, whatever role we put him in. So yeah, it's nice, it's nice to see that he's contributing to the Erie staff. Well, yeah, you can't really, uh, by the way, he, he went to UTSA, uh, Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, which was always one of my favorite teams to play in. in oh, in, yeah. NCAA football. No, it's fine. It's he's listed on minor league baseball. He's listed as a high school. They don't list his college, so maybe because UTSA is too long to put in there. But I just wanted to mention that because I loved playing with the Roadrunners uh, in, in NCAA football fourteen or whatever the last one that came out for, for PlayStation. Um, no, like a, a pitcher like him is is invaluable to any team. Just think about what Ronnie Garcia has been doing for the Tigers lately. This is a guy who's primarily a reliever, and you need a starter immediately. And you could stretch them out and go, all right, give us what you got. And so, yeah, Kirby's what? Four starts, 12 outings this year, a 1.59 ERA, a, a, a 0.76 whip. That, like, <laughs> over 40 innings, that's amazing. And I think I mentioned on the, the show the other week, like, and, and I just told you before the show, like, we, we saw him pitch, and I, you know, I, I should know better at this point, but I wasn't really even paying attention. Like, yeah, I've heard of this guy. I, I You know, he's fine. He's an org guy. Well, there are guys like this who – and I mentioned the two, two names on Sunday or whenever, Thursday. I mentioned Warwick Soppold and Spencer Watkins, two guys that were just kind of hanging around the minors, moving up slowly, and I never paid much attention to them. And then what do you know? They're both in the majors one day. And you're just like, hey, I wish I would have paid more attention. And like, you see the improvement in his numbers from last year to this year. And it, basically his career numbers were not all that great, but he hung around. So you know the org must have liked something about him. And as to David's point, yeah, he's just throwing strikes and getting guys out, and uh, that's kind of the name of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things he might be doing more is throwing that curveball because that curveball he's throwing that slider. I think it's a curveball or slider. I mean, it drops off the place, uh, the face it's of the plane. It, it is a curveball, so yeah, it has yeah, looked yeah. really good. It complements his fastball really well, and maybe like what the Tigers have done, and we noticed this with certain. Uh, pitchers is that they're just going, hey, throw your best stuff. Like they're taking the Houston Astros model to it. Who knows? I mean, in terms of spin data, we don't have that. With, I wish we had. I wish we had. Oh man, I wish we had more data. Mm-hmm. 
oh man, there's something there. I, I know somebody that know that has all the data, and but every time I ask them, he is the guy. I'm Chris. You know who I'm referring to? The guy um, I know. Him and that her. Guy, yeah, <laughs> that guy, yeah, but that guy, the guy I'm referring to, is a busy, mm-hmm. busy, busy man. So try not well, to bug him too much, but. And, and to our point earlier, I'm just checking. I was uh, looking at his stats a little deeper. So Kirby right now has a 194 BABIP. So that would indicate some luck there. But he's also not giving up any home runs. So he might have just found a way to stifle hard contact. So that would be something that, that batted ball data and spin rate data and those things would help us with. But uh, we can't have it all. So Yeah. Well, yeah sure. I mean, he's, really, um, he's really adjusted to the mold. I'm sorry. Oh, Did I cut out no, a little bit? I think no, I no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, it's like the one thing I noticed was that you're, he really adjusted good to the mold of um, if you can't be a power pitcher, like kill him with spin. And that's what he's doing. It's like a lot of his stuff has really good deception on it. And like when you're looking like, especially with like a curveball or sinker, you see, you see a pitch coming in, like you think you're sitting on a fastball. You think it's going to be, you think it's going to be middle in. But all of a sudden, it's like out of the zone. You're breaking your bat on the shaft. It's like that's the that's the one thing I've seen from him. And I think that's working pretty good. It's like cur- his curveball, like you said, Raj. It's like drops out of the zone pretty well. It's like he's been getting a lot of um, right-handed hitters on the outside with it pretty good. So yeah, yeah it's that- like that's fantastic. No, I'm glad you noticed that, David, because that's one of the things that I was able to see on against right-handed hitters. And another good week from Brandon White who pitched a pair of innings and, and Wilmer Flores was the one that went early. I said, uh, Greg mentioned earlier in the chat, two innings or three, excuse me, three innings on Tuesday. So he pitched overall of eight, eight innings this week, nine hits, two runs, just one home run and struck out eight. So I don't want fans. What's up, Chris? Well, I just say, yeah, Greg made a point earlier and I, I watched that start. I clipped it or I'm clipping it together so we can, I'll throw it up on the, the uh, YouTube. Uh, he did not, have his normal electric stuff like his breaking balls were, were still solid uh but the fastball just wasn't getting i think he got like there may have been one better that he, he threw three fastballs uh right by him but the fastball was was getting hit by uh, everybody and he, he battled through it and we've talked about this before like sometimes that tells you more about a pitcher than when they're out there just completely dominating and uh yeah he had a couple Got, got help from uh, an outfield assist that maybe you know bought him some more time, and he, he made his way through five innings. It was nice to see that he could compete and go out there and win without his best stuff. And like and it shows you where we're you know where our expectations are with Flores this week or, or, or now because he went eight innings this week and uh, two earned runs, and it's like nine hits. Like oh, what's wrong with him? Nine hits. And it was like eight strikeouts in one walk. Uh, so yeah, I mean he, he's good, and uh, sometimes pitchers struggle, and he fought through it. That was yeah, I mean, um, Chris, to touch on your point, um, the one thing I really like to see with Flores, and um, I know this may sound like a catch-22 here, but um, the, the fastball looked a, a little too straight, in my opinion. Like, I know this, I know this kind of like you think of fastball, and that's what you think of, but like the, a lot of the stuff I was seeing from Flores is that he was like, with the velocity he had, it looked like he always had a lot of ride on his fastball. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if there's one thing, like, especially – as a former catcher myself not too long ago, it's like the one thing I like to see from Flores is that um, he had a, um, he had a, he had a lot of stuff to fall back on. Cause like, you know, I've caught, I've caught pitchers before that say like, you know, I can't, I can't throw a fastball to save my life right now, or I can't get my change up over. It's like, 
I need you to start calling more um more of this and less of this. I'm like, okay, we'll make it work. And that's that's something we saw from Flores today. And I think he it was it played it paid dividends. It's like it was fantastic to see um how you how he adjusted, especially with one of his uh weapons in his arsenal is uh shut down momentarily. Yeah, and that's and that's a good job by Dylan Dingler to that's the kind of veteran leadership that he adds and how good of a catcher he is as a receiver to to make those adjustments for for Flores. So let's move on to West Michigan and the uh, first and foremost the 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 uh oh uh, Word Vango has a t-shirt idea. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, the voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps, Dan Hasey's in our YouTube chat this evening. The voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Yeah, Storm Chasers. Yes, yeah, so he was down. That was I gotta, We got to understand how that went. And so hopefully we'll be able to. And maybe him and, you know, it's the first time we've had two minor league announcers in the same <laughs> chat. I don't know if we get Dan, Dan and Greg to arm wrestle. I, <laughs> I get, you know, I, I I listen. And, you know, we know both of these guys are great broadcasters. and and But, you know, you get used to hearing – you just think like, hey, they're just they know all these players because they watch it play every day. But I was listening to the broadcast and Dan was his usual informative, entertaining self with these random Omaha guys that nobody really cares about. At least we don't. <laughs> well, what about the Daniel, what about that? Was it uh, was that Daniel uh, Pastor? What's the guy's? Oh, I can't remember. Vinny Pasquino? Yeah, Pasquino. Yeah. No, I mean that the Omaha has some good players, and and that was yeah. in Indianapolis. The O'Neill Cruz was there. There were some there were some good players. I'm just I was just joking, like you know. It's we, we get used to these guys broadcasting for our teams, right? And and we forget that they're like legit, hardcore, really good professional broadcasters. Um, so yeah, they could probably broadcast hockey too. So in any event, but yeah, West, West Michigan was it was it was Nathan handling West Michigan duties, and, and unfortunately, I don't know why Lake County is uh, refusing to put cameras in. Fortunately, we had a couple looks from our buddies Justin and, and Pat, I think, but. Other than that, was just we're relying on the, the voice of Nate Wangler. Yeah, and the in terms of looking at we're at, in terms of we're not we're not going to really do a statistical breakdown of uh, both because we didn't see anything. And I've always liked to believe that you know instead of asking for somebody else's opinion or a scout or whatever, you want to have as much as visual evidence as possible of watching the game yourself. And so, uh, as far as like a in, in terms of just like breaking down the box scores and stuff like that. We'll just kind of do a quick over for those two, uh, West, or for pitching and hitting. Michael Mayer in the YouTube chat is, Winslow Perez still at West Michigan due to his defense? I would have, that's a Dan Hasty question. Um, I, I, I think his defense has been inconsistent at times. Um, and no, you're right. He does struggle with the throw, the, the simple stuff. But then sometimes he does flash a good, good, good plays. So, yeah, and, and the bit, again, it's, we sound like a broken record. But Colt Keith doing Colt Keith things, and he had a big week. He batted over 300, had, an op- had a, slug- a slugging percentage of 737, and a familiar face is back at West Michigan. Daniel Cabrera was sent down, and he- we know full well he can hit high A pitching. He batted 471 this week against Lake County. They went three and three overall, as the West Michigan is 23 and 28 on the season. But uh, Akil Adu. Is also down there doing his rehab assignment and not a yeah. great week. Not a great not a week. Great, not a great week. Three games. It is important to remember that Akil Badu is like three weeks older than Daniel Cabrera. Yes. So yes. But he also unfortunately the report this, he was 0 for ten. With five and, strikeouts in a walk. Yep. He, 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 you know, 
He's yeah. getting. He's trying to find it. Let him find it in uh, West Michigan. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know who else had a good week too is uh, Corey Joyce, who had more uh, seven walks to six strikeouts and batted three fifty three, and had been also had two home runs. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's but, kind uh, of a, a fun, underrated player in the system. You don't hear a whole lot about him like in the college shortstop. That he, I think he's basically playing shortstop every day for him now. I don't think they've put Perez or uh, Cruz there much lately. But um, yeah, it, it uh, like like we mentioned, Cole, Cole Keith had a monster week, but it was mostly just a monster game that was good enough to uh, you know supply him for the rest of the week. But yeah, he, he uh, you know after a somewhat down week last week when he had like like a seven eighty OPS or whatever, it's back up over a thousand or nine hundred. So. Yeah, he's doing his thing. And as far as Winslow Perez goes, it's not – I don't think that, like, they're having him down there working. I think this is the case with a lot of guys who could theoretically move up. What's the corresponding move? Do you do you release Luis Carpio, who is, what, 24? I mean, he was a minor league free agent guy that they've been playing everywhere. Do you, do you get rid of Naporti, who's – Bombing for the offense? Do you screw up the eerie offense that are, are roster at all when they're going for a playoff bid? I, I just don't think there's any real rush for a lot of these guys. They're not like they're they're powering them up to the majors, right? Uh, and it used to be like this all the time. This was guys would not get promoted uh, basically until after the All Star break. They'd get a chance to go to the All Star game, then they get promoted. That's just kind of the way it was. And now the All Star games don't really happen anymore. But it's still, you'll see. I think guys move around after the halfway point. Uh, whenever that comes, I don't know, three weeks or so. Yeah, it's yeah, especially because right now with the way everything's the All Star break this year is what July or July nineteenth, right? So it's a week the later. Major League All Star break. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but in terms of pitching, let's quickly go through West Michigan's pitching this week as they had a good outside of Jordan Marks. Uh, everybody else had a pretty good week. Carlos Guzman I had a good one. Yeah, I was just gonna just about to get to him. Uh, Carlos Guzman, uh, five innings, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. Kyler uh, Montero, who's been struggling, had a really good start for him. He struck out six and five and one third innings of work. Dylan Smith, kind of, kind of not seen his best stuff, but it's quite all right. But yeah, the story of the week is definitely Ty Madden. Six innings, three hits, one run, and seven strikeouts, a career high for him. And, um, I wish we had more video or anything to say, but I'm again, I'm not going to break down a box score if we didn't see anything. So sorry. That's yeah. just not. Like you said, you know, career high innings, career high strikeouts, I believe. So that's, you know, that's yeah. I'll say this in, in defense of Dylan Smith. That was the bonkers game where West Michigan hit six home runs, I think. Oh and yeah. That's right. Yeah. Smith had to sit for, I don't know how long it was before he came back out for the fifth. And then he gave up, I think he gave up two home runs and one of them was a two home run, a two run homer in the, fifth inning so i think it's one of those things where like they were up like nine to two at the time or whatever so i don't know if he was out there with his full concentration in the fifth but uh yeah it, it was uh you know unfortunately they only went three and three it felt like it was gonna be better early in the week but they like there was they were three high scoring games and then the offense just kind of went away the last game yeah there's a, a, yeah, yeah oh go ahead david now i was gonna say the one thing i saw about um West Michigan and Raji touched on it. It's um, it for having a lot of shaky starting this uh, as of the last week. It's like they've been putting together some pretty decent results. Like I'm pretty sure they won what five, was it four, five, seven? I think I think they 
I, I know they took one from, or I'm sorry, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to remember in my head. Uh, yeah, can't remember off the top of my head right now, but yeah, it's like, I know they, I think they took four or seven as of this past week, four or five or seven. And um, like Madden and Guzman, like you touched on, were the only notable performances. But yeah, it's like, you really like how the offense has been picking up the pitching with these high scoring games. Yeah, and at some point too, I I, I feel sorry for Dan and uh, Dan and Nathan if once Colt Keith and once Will Perez graduates and I mean again, but maybe there's hope because speaking of high A hitting, we go into low A hitting. As uh, this week, I was down in Lakeland, got ch- chance to see games on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday. There's a tropical storm warning in effect, and it ended up like just it looked like it was going to rain, 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 but it didn't. Just a little bit of a other showers, and then of course they had a doubleheader Saturday, and Jackson Job was scheduled to pitch Friday, and I was leaving Saturday. So yeah, good good times. But I did see two solid performances in pitching wise from Garrett Burhan and Nick Davila, who Davila is it Davila? I don't know. I've never actually heard his name pronounced. Okay, so. Um, the entire in terms of the entire week, Lakeland Lakeland went three and three this week, but the entire staff did really well. Uh, Carlos Pena also had probably the best game of the week: five innings, one run, did not allow a hit, and almost they almost had a no hitter going in that game, right, Chris? They had a no hitter going in, until through seven, and uh, and then uh, <laughs> then yeah, they uh, Christian Tortosa came in, who was uh, you know one of the more frustrating pitchers in the system because like you saw him and he looked really good. Right, Raj? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's, I think he's been doing that for like four years where you see, you see an outing from him every now and then that he looks fantastic. And then he struggled today and, and gave up. Yeah. They had a no hitter through seven and then they lost, I think four to three. I think he gave up a bunch of runs in one inning, but uh, yeah, I, Carlos Pena is, is he, he kind of reminds me of uh, one of those old college lefties who would go to, what was then low A, West Michigan, and Dominic, the John Kiblers of the world. Yes. And um, good call. And uh, because he's 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 like a primary changeup pitcher, he throws more changeups than fastballs. But right. uh, if you can execute a changeup against low A hitters, they, they don't really have much uh, chance. So that's what he was doing. And it'll be fun to see him, you know, but he tops out at like 91, 92. So I don't think he's going to dominate at higher levels unless he's, uh, you know, Tom Glavin. But uh, I guess we'll have to find out once he. But yeah, the, the, the Brent Herter keeps shoving. You saw Burhan. Uh, you said he looked pretty good, right? Yeah, he had a, a rough couple innings, but it was the defense behind him a little bit struggled. But but he settled on after that. Fastball is around 94, 95. Had some good movement to it. And once he, the, the, the in terms of the strike zone, too, the strike zone was really, he got squeezed on a couple calls. It's a robot strike zone, but it was very awkward. But um, I thought he pitched really well. I thought he did a good job of recovering after the uh, – it was also the fact that I think the field was so wet, something to do with it. I'm not really sure. But either way, I thought he pitched I thought he pitched good. And in terms of the hitters, what I was able to see down there, um, had a really good week was uh, Esni Chacon, who was a monster. He hit 500 this week. And here's a guy who plays the outfield, kind of looks like – Early Juan Encarnacion. So for anybody out there that remembers Juan Encarnacion, it has that kind of same build, lanky, skinny build. And I thought he, out of all that, anybody that I saw this week, 
I thought he impressed me. Like he had a really good single up the middle. And then we had to leave Thursday because we were doing the podcast. Of course, the game we leave early, Lakeland decides to go ham, you know, ham on <laughs> offense, of course. But but I saw him play on Wednesday. Defensively, I thought he did fine. And I again that hit up the middle was a solid hit. It wasn't like no cheapy. And I really like he really surprised me because I've I've not heard much about him. Benitez, who we've talked about numerous times in the podcast, was not available. He was on the IL. Uh, Carlos Mendoza was got a home run uh, yesterday that thanks to Sherry down there for posting that home run with the right field with it. And Isaac Pacheco, again, another good week. And he played shortstop defensively. He looked a lot better at, he played third and short. And I thought he looked really good at short. He really speaking when we saw him earlier this year in that first Jack and Job star, we made like two errors. He made some really tough plays, some throws in the run. Uh, Keen Carter also going to attest to that. Uh, Roberto Campos on a half swing, on a half swing, defensive swing, hit a bullet up the middle. Was it, I, think you, I think you told me, Chris, it was what, 98 miles off the bat on that one. I, I don't know if that was uh, the one that was 98, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 Campos hits the ball hard constantly. It's uh, it's just not always in the air where it needs to be, but uh, yeah, he's impressive, at least from, from uh, the exit velocity standpoint, and you got to see him in person, so. Yeah, I thought Campbell's. I thought Campbell's looked really good. I really, for his age, um, he good good pitch recognition. He didn't look, you know, silly on the box or anything. I thought he had a very, again, his swing is interesting to see. Like I said, a half swing. You think you see more loft at it at some point? Maybe they will. He'll probably grow into that. But very good. Hunt. Uh, Pacheco, same thing. Really, I, I really was came away. I know Mayo Sequeira. If you look at his numbers, did not. I look. I look. I saw one of his hits of the. He only had two hits this week in uh, 21 at bats. I did see one of them, and he looked. He looks the part. He does only has a major league body, and he. But then again, he's a little. He's a little impatient at the plate. Mark Gurash and I argued about this about well, well, you know, he's not walking enough. But I think he'll come in time. Um, but he, again, I thought he made really good contact and it also sounded really good off the bat. Defensively, he was fine. Um, DeAndres De La Cruz, I know didn't have a like again good week either in terms of looking at the board, but I thought behind the plate wise catch or in terms of defensive abilities behind the plate, got a really good job to catch, uh, ah, calling a good game and his swing. I mean, he looks a little like you know he overswings a little bit, but there's a couple guys down there. I mean, again, Campos, but I would say probably Campos and uh, Pacheco. The ones that stand out, but Jacone, I don't again. I mean, this guy, there's not a lot about much. Of him. Uh, he's from Venezuela, he's 22 years old. And prior to this, prior to these couple seasons, he's been in a complex league. He played in Lakeland a little bit last year, but he's off to a really good start right now, just in 12 games, batting 389, 463, and 472 with OPS of 935. And as far as does he get on base or in terms of like walks and strikeouts, you know what? He actually does. It's not too, it's not not it's not horrible. It's uh he's got five walks and thirteen strikeouts. So there's a good decent eye at the play, but like I said, I I don't know. Something to look out for. Well, I wanna say he stole almost fifty bags uh, a couple years ago in the DSL. I do have video of him still in second base and he's very he's got a good quick first step. And that's what I liked about him in the outfield too. So uh, there's a lot to like about him, whether he's gonna be an or guy or not, I'm not really sure. I'd like to see him. I would have loved to see him some more throughout the series, but um, nevertheless, Chacon at all, like, again, just kind of came up and, and crept up there. As far as relief pitchers go, it was funny. 
we're just talking about how good he pitched. In, in, I was just talking about this with um, with you earlier, Chris, about the left because the, the Lakeland Fly Tigers have three, I think, three lefties. Um, Matt Walker is one of them, and the uh, as far as like just uh, I'm trying to think of the, the, the gentleman I was thinking of drawing a blank on. Um, Cam, or, yeah, Cam Brown, by the way, who I wanted, really wanted to pitch did not he missed out. Um, but Pena is one of them. We talked about Pena. Uh, Tortosa, I saw a pitch on Wednesday. I thought he, once he gets his command down, he has good fast, good riding action on his fastball, good velocity. He's just, his command is still ways to go. But I thought he looked good. Um, same thing with Matt Walker. Uh, Walker is more like the a veteran at this point, but um, both lefties pitched back to back innings on Wednesday. So. And I think, yeah. I think you mentioned Will Kill at the end of last week's show. Yes. Will Kill Hernandez. Uh, he's, he's gone, I think, 14 consecutive scoreless innings, 23 strikeouts, or, or 22 strikeouts, one walk over that time. He's, he's regularly hitting 96. He's been up to 98. I think that uh, he's a guy who may move relatively soon. Uh, again, you know, there's no, not necessarily any rush, but uh, that could be a useful bullpen arm throughout the course of the season. Do you guys, well, before, uh, I'll ask you guys both. Do you think he'll end up going to West Michigan or go to Erie? I think he'll go back to West Michigan for, for at least for a little bit. And I don't think he's ever pitched in high A. I think he was in low A when, uh, and then he got hurt. Oh, yeah, that's right. I always thought, who am I thinking of that? I was like, Elvin Rodriguez that was in, mm-hmm. never mind, I got my confused there for a moment. What about you, David? You think he's going to just go back? He's just going to move up one level? Yeah, I think it's safe to say. Um, from from what you guys touched on, I think he has the stuff. I think he has the stuff to move up another level. And like you said, um, the single A levels of pitching, it's a, a like you said, the biggest the biggest jump is single A to double A. But um, yeah, I I, I don't think. I think it couldn't hurt to see like how he could handle a new league with new hitters that have like a little bit better mechanics than what he's used to seeing. It's like, that's what we were, that's what we were seeing out of Flores as well. It's like as much as we would have wanted him to stay in West Michigan, it's always nice to see how pitchers can handle the next step and seeing how they pitch the hitters in a different league. Yeah. And the, one of the things about speaking of pitching before I forget, the other the a big elf in the room was the other prospect in the top 100 baseball America list that came out this week, Jackson Job, who moved down, moved down a couple slots here in the uh, baseball top 100 list. Uh, yeah, so Job pitched on Saturday, and from all accounts, Chris, was pretty good. Three hits, three innings, three hits, one run, a pair of walks, and he got kind of bat pipped to death. Correct. Yeah, I think somebody in the in the uh, Slack chat or the uh, Matt, yeah, Matt Discord, Discord was paying attention to all the exavilos, and it was all like you know three hits were under eighty miles an hour or something like that. So yeah, you know, it, Jackson Job moved down in the, the top one hundred because a bunch of players have had great years so far, a couple awesome months, and so they moved up, and uh, you know, including some of the players uh, who were drafted behind him, like Andrew Painter, the Phillies, a pitcher has been dominating the Florida State League. But Andrew Painter, again, was kind of the number one arm in this class in that last year's draft class for many years. He was known for multiple years. Jackson Job 
really hasn't done nearly as much pitching as these other guys. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it sounds like you're making excuses for him, but I just think that uh, you kind of have to hold him to a different standard, even though he was the third overall pick. You can criticize the Tigers all you want for taking a guy who, who was not, uh, you know, as advanced. But they what they saw something that they thought they could mold into a, an elite top of the rotation starter, so they took a chance on him. I don't know. Do we read into anything about <laughs> Chad Littlefield getting demoted shortly after the draft? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But um, he's been fine. He's been fine. I don't think uh, there's any reason to panic. And and I, but I also think like yeah, you, you wouldn't look at his stats and go, this is you know a dominant pitch race. But he's doing what he's supposed to do so far. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where I look at it as, again, I can understand why fans are frustrated because the lack of hitting in the system right now is deafening, is de- is 100% deafening. And I can understand the frustration with it. So, I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're being completely, where you say, Chris, you're kind of like, well, it's like, it's not like, uh, it's not like uh, Jordan Lawler or Marcelo Meyer would be popping up to help the major league team this year. Anyway, this is true. Like, yeah, that's, like 2023. You're talking 2024 at the earliest for any of these guys. Call them up. Call them up. Call them up. Call them up. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it, it's just even um, – I, I never heard that story before. Michael Meyer, Michael Mayer in our YouTube channel said that mm-hmm. reminds him of a bottom story in the AGM throwing a chair into the wall because of his draft selection. Wow. Yeah, that was that was in Moneyball, the, the book. Uh and oh, in, the movie, in the movie, it was, uh, I think, they, the uh, chair went through the window. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I don't know if it was, uh, I don't remember the exact details, but I, I think it might have been just as much that, like, you know, the guy they wanted wasn't there. Because I think the Moneyball draft was also when they took, like, Nick Swisher and Jeremy Brown and all that stuff. Um, so they, you know, I mean, they, they you know, and Bonderman was pretty good until, I mean, he never did develop a changeup, but. If Jackson Job had a Bonderman career, I think I'd be okay with it. I mean, you know, it's not ideal, but uh, Bonderman was there for you know, pitching pitching uh, game four of the ALDS against the Yankees, was it? And basically had like a perfect game into the sixth inning, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, we like to highlight what he's doing, and I, I always tweet out how Job performed, how many pitches he, he threw, or whatever. But uh, again. I, I'm not going to put too much weight into stats in low A. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you don't mind, I'd like to nominate my uh, pitcher of the week for Lakeland. Uh-huh. And um, it's actually I don't think we I don't think we've talked about him yet as of late. But um, Brant Herter, he he had he had a heck of an outing for Lakeland his last start, mm-hmm. and um, I, I got a chance to check out check out that start actually, and uh, his stuff was looking really good. It's like I know his um. His pitching performance is a bit kind of scarce for Lakeland lately, but like, yes, he made two or three starts this past week, I want to say. And like, both of them, he gave up like one or two runs. So, or I think, I know, I know, yeah, I mean, to start on the, yeah. No, his, his numbers, he's a, a big lefty who is way too good for low A. And, and it's just one of those things where they need him to get innings. Cause yeah, so look at his stats right now 193 ERA and 37 innings. 52 strikeouts yeah. to five walks. Um, it's, yeah, they, they're no match. Low A hitters are no match for Brent Herter's slider. Um, and he will, it's another one, well, he will yeah. be in West Michigan relatively soon. It's just when things start moving, which 
theoretically it could begin tomorrow because tomorrow yes. is the beginning of the Gulf Coast League and also the two Dominican Summer League teams. And the rosters are up uh, online. So you can you can look right now. You see that uh, Rainer Castillo is is going to be in the Gulf Coast League, even though he doesn't turn 18 for another couple weeks. What uh, size is that on, Chris? So I can actually – I'll put it up on the YouTube channel. It's uh, – I don't know how official these rosters are, but it's it's right here on the, on minor league baseball. I can I'll put the link in the chat. Does that work? Uh, yeah. Go ahead and put it up. Yeah. Link in the chat. Tanner Colehep is on the Florida Gulf Coast League uh, Tigers roster right now, and it doesn't mark him as injured, so maybe he's going to be down there getting some innings. Somebody asked us about him last week, I think. Yeah, yes. I don't know. If that... yes. Wait, what does it say? P.S. What? Yeah, what is that? I just put in the just put in the oh I put in the HT <laughs> yeah yeah put it put in the private chat put in the private chat that'll work better on me a private chatter chatting for money engineering on the fly there you go thank you Chris all right so um go ahead and continue I'll uh, you, I'll pull that up here quick uh yeah no I just it, you know those those games start at noon tomorrow uh, their first game is at uh, Lakeland on the backfields. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of names I think people will recognize other than, you know, Rainer Castillo was their big money pitcher. Uh, same class as Christian Santana, I believe. And Abel Bastidas, it looks like he's on the, the roster too. So. And, the, and the two Wilmer Feltons. The Wilmer, yeah, the Wilmer, Wilmer Fenelon and uh, Wilmer A. Fenelon. Yeah, they're cousins. <laughs> um, and uh, Clayton Campbell, right? He, we we uh, saw something about him. Is he the Aussie or the New Zealand yeah, kid? New Zealand guy, yeah. He's like 17, 18 years old. Really, really young guy. And then I think they have that. What was the, uh, Daniel Di Lamonti, the gentleman yeah. from Italy, is going to be on this team. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like the United Nations down there. They got people from uh, all sorts of continents. You got uh, Iris and Leonardo, of course, down there. JD McLaughlin, who was I think their twentieth round pick last year, center fielder. Carlos Pellegrin from Cuba. Jesus Boulevard. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It'll be fun to keep track of that. We, of course, no one will see any video of any of these guys unless uh, somebody heads down there. To the backfields, and if, even if they can, but uh, I'm just, excited to uh, see how I was gonna say, I'm excited to see how uh, Adinsa Reyes does because, like, I know he's kind of fell through the cracks of um international signings, but yeah, um, I yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he was he and, and Jose de la Cruz were the two big signings, what 2019, 2018, Jeez, it seems like forever ago, but uh. Yeah, and De La Cruz was the guy who kind of jumped out first, but Reyes had some potential too. And and it's easy to give up on these guys, even though they're like 21, just because, like I said, they, they might even be 20. It feels like we've heard about them for years and years and years, and they haven't even been out of A ball yet. But yeah, Reyes well, is, I mean, is yeah, it's like, 20. Unfortunately, I think the Tigers have kind of a history of um, international signings um, struggling with them. It's like, I don't know if you guys remember um, uh, um, Julio Martinez. Yep, that's yeah. a that's a that's a name. But yeah, he he was one of our other international signings, and he unfortunately didn't work out either. But yeah, did he even beginnings. make it out of the Dominican? I don't even know if he made it out of the Dominican. Yeah, they've I, you know they they had Pedro Martinez too, Pedro Martinez Jr. Who I, I don't even know if he was he was supposedly related to Pedro Martinez, but not. Uh, oh, you know, speaking he, of speaking of which, by the way, uh, Keen told me that. He's going to try to make a comeback as a pitcher. He's learning how to pitch. That sounds about right. If you're going to be a Pedro Martinez, you might as well try. Being of course, he's nep- nephew of the great Ramon Martinez. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I'm, sorry. 
Um, I'm sorry, Terry told uh, Terry talks to him, and that's what he, mm-hmm. she he told uh, Terry. So, all right, so we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to the week nine recap uh, with the um, with everybody chiming in. Greg, again, the voice of the Erie Seawolves. Dan Hasty joined us this evening all on YouTube chat. We appreciate all the comments and support. And if you want to support our travels, because somebody asked me if we're going to Lakeland, if I'm going to Lakeland again, more than likely, unless our Patreon gets up a little bit. So if you want to go to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tigers Mind Report. I love the fact that it is a labor of love for us, and we love the experience. But if you really want to help us out in terms of uh, giving us a few dollars a month that help us towards gas, gas being – I'm not trying to tell you a sad story, but there's people out there who put Patreons for basically doing nothing, and uh, we're out there trying to do all we can. So, um, yeah, patreon.com forward slash Tigers Mind Report. And I, I sound like Sally Struthers. I mean, like, you know, 30 cents a Just day. A yeah, exactly. So, $1 yeah. a month and – yeah, one dollar. Two week to move. <laughs> Two week, five dollars a gas, gallon of gas. Yeah, I saw it, it was five twenty by my house. I was like, what did that happen? Yeah. Like, I'm not driving anywhere ever again. Good lord, five. I mean, I have, I have to get my uh, my bike fixed, and I'm actually thinking about because my work is like ten minutes away, drive wise. I'm or like seven minutes. I'm thinking about riding my bike to work and just drive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like if we go to I mean, I, we get some trips to go to West Michigan coming up in June and, and July because we we're we're due to go back out there and we're also due to go to Toledo too at some point. But mm-hmm. yeah, the Patreon just goes to support what we do in the podcast and in my in my teleportation research. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Look, exactly. stages. Exactly, and now, and also I'm gonna buy a fly filter so that way nothing flies into your transportation. Anyways, yes, obscure. Okay, There's a new Cronenberg movie. Have you uh, really? did you see that? The new Cronenberg, yeah, that sounds like it's classic Cronenberg with all sorts of weird stuff going on in people's bodies. We have, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going off the rails here, but we yeah, talk about that. Say, yeah. I don't know if anybody in this room knows David Cronenberg's work, but uh, I'm sure if anybody does, Google it afterwards and find out. But uh, tomorrow will be a episode of Woodward Tigers, where we critically recap the series. There's probably some roster moves to take out, look out for. So Gulf Coast League, so another league to pay attention to is on the way and there's no cameras for it. So we'll see what we can do and pull up the stats for myself, David and Chris. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) Crush your head.